Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast where Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy invite you on a cinematic adventure to create prequels, sequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises. Joined by special guests along the way, Sequel Quest is go for launch. So let the adventure begin now. Step right up, step right up. Nobody likes a bashful listener. P-A-R-T-Y? Because I got it. Are you on the playlist? No, but I believe my friends are. Maybe you know them. Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy. Now hold on to your earbuds, boys. It's time for a podcast. All right, kids. Today we are discussing the 1994 hit film from New Line Cinema, The Mask. Starring Jim Carrey, Cameron Diaz, Peter Green, Amy Yasbach, and Max as Milo the dog. Directed by Charles Russell. Adam, you always have to include the dog. Always. He's Animal a big lovers. deal, man. <laughs> I know. He's one of the big characters. Now, Adam, I hear you have some incriminating evidence on our guest host. Why don't you give us an intro? Our special guest host tonight is actually my longest standing friend, which is, if you know the history Jeff and I share, <laughs> you know, we've known each other for 20 years, but this guy and I go even farther back because he was almost family. Crazy. So for many years of my life, there was that tease, oh, someday he's going to be your nephew it was Mm -hmm. kind of strange my mom was dating his grandpa but just you know my mom was a grandma at the time they were dating it's not as sort of (laughs) as it sounds Um, but um, so this gentleman and i the first time we met we got pulled out of school and taken to knott's berry farm for a day Mm -hmm. and that's how we cemented the friendship and just got along immediately because i realized he was just as weird and obsessed with tv and movies as i was (laughs) and willing to be a spaz about it (laughs) he was also my partner in many 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 audio cassette recordings of our version of comedy which is pretty much just repeating our favorite bits from right adventures (laughs) and singing songs from the live yeah exactly yeah then we busted out the camcorder started doing mockumentaries and sketch comedy and (laughs) it just never ended did some theater together. Jeff was actually a part of one of our theater outings. Um, That's right. But with us tonight, my friend and soon to be yours, Colin Fitzpatrick. Say hi, Col. Hello. Very nice to be here. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. So Now, just a little bit more backstory here, because with Colin, he was my first friend to get paid for acting. And I was like, <laughs> oh. He started doing like professional children's theater, did a little TV. And I was always excited because I was like, wow, I, I love this guy. He's so talented. <laughs> so fun. We're not going to oversell you here, Colin, but he was my personal Jim Carrey, to tell you this <laughs> Not to oversell you, but... Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, but... no, that's very kind of you, Adam. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And you yourself are quite talented, and you've always been oh. a wonderful writer and all that. But yes, I did a lot of acting and a lot of improv in Los Angeles. I was with Comedy Sports for a few years. Uh, they were a lot of fun, great experience. You can find some really goofy, crappy videos of me on YouTube if you look me up. Up. Like, I don't know if they're anything to really be too proud of, but there, there's some stuff out there that you can find <laughs> me in. To be is- found. I worked for a subtitle company for a while. In fact, the films that I was working on at the time were like Kill Bill and oh, um, Big sub- Fish. Yeah, it was all sub- subtitle yeah. placement. Um, ah, nice. but I love your work, Colin. Anyway. I Thank love you. your subtitle. 
<laughs> I, you mean where I placed them on the screen? Because I did Correct. not do any writing or translating. <laughs> you so. didn't even type them. You just, no. just scooched them over with the mouse. I just that's moved excellent. them. Yeah, that's that's all I did. All uh, right. Well, then you're perfectly qualified to be on the sequel quest. <laughs> thank <podcast>. you. Thank <laughs> you. I'd almost say he's overqualified. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now the reason I really wanted Colin in on this episode is The Mask is one of those films from our childhood specifically that we shared it was like a moment of time Colin and I went to see Wayne's World together we oh, walked yeah. out the theater doing schwing not yeah. understanding what we were doing but nope. just <laughs> not parking lot and then The Mask you know was one of those films that we just couldn't help but repeat to each other you know and anybody our age would be in that same boat now right. the one thing Jeremy teased this Jim Carrey was all the rage right 94 yes. he had three films he had mm-hmm. Ace Ventura The Mask and Dumb and Dumber all in one year so basically his three best known films right My goodness uh, so colin and i like i said did a lot of audio recordings i still have them so if oh, you my oh my god oh my goodness better. gracious and this is <laughs> we, we couldn't help but add jim carrey to our repertoire and these are terrible oh boy yeah they're terrible, terrible impressions <laughs> yeah they're not good <laughs> but remember i i was 12 and colin what are you, were you would you be nine if i was 12 yeah. i believe so yeah what's interesting though is you'll recognize colin name dropping already at an early age <laughs> it was already connected as my apologies up front to the cast of Nickelodeon's All That. Oh, no. We crap all over them, and then we start doing exactly what we called them out for, imitating Jim Carrey poorly. We have just a quick clip here, our magic on the mic back in the day. You can decide if we've improved or not. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the Colin and Adam Variety Show. Yes, we're back. Isn't that right, Colin? Yep. Anyway... We just wanted to tell you something. Um, have you ever watched the show All That, Colin? Yes, I have. In fact, I know somebody on the show. Yes. Now, the one you know, Katrina, correct? Yes. She's the only good actor or actress on that show, correct? Exactly! They all suck. They're all just a bunch of Jim Carrey wannabes. Yep! (laughs) Like, repair man, man, man. Alrighty then! I guess everybody wants to be a Jim Carrey wannabe. Hey! You're not supposed to be the Jim Carrey wannabe. We're supposed to have our own thing going here. Um, oh. You back, Colin? No. I'm really Jim Carrey disguised as Colin. Uh-oh. I'm out of here. Ah! He just went away in a whirl of... Yes, Colin and Adam will be right back. So just wait a second, all right? Oh, man. That was weird. I was tight and gagged. Um, are you back on the show, Adam? Yeah, we're back. How about the news? The news? Yeah, let's put on the news. Okie dokie. Sorry. Just doing my Jim Carrey impression. Spanky. <laughs> Ow. Anyway, after these commercial passages. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, uh. After Adam becomes, you know, gets, you know, yeah, you yeah. like that. Oh. When he comes back to his consciousness, we'll be back. Bye. I'm not Adam. I'm Jim Carrey. <laughs> Guess who's back? Ah. Oh. Sorry. After these Calling messages. Calling my lawyer. Hi, this is Sally Vacuum with the K Stupid Radio News. Yes, that's K Stupid 101.1111116. Our phone number is 5555555. Our fax number is 15555555. Thank you, Sally. I'm Hugh Poophead. And I'm here on the Colin and Adam Radio Network. 
latest breaking news. Somebody got shot oh, with a no. dart gun. Geez, Sally, there's something new. <laughs> but that dart gun was made by Nerf, so nobody was hurt. Funny ha-ha? Funny ho-ho. We're back. I'm Hubert Poopet. And I'm Sally Vacuum. We're starting to sound like the stomach cancer and all that. So we'll just add this little thing right now, okay? Next time, it's all back. It's all. There it was. That was Sorry. embarrassing. <laughs> I always just set up the scenario and just let Colin run with it. Adam was but... quite the director. I don't think I would have had any ideas if Adam didn't say, hey, you know what would be funny if you did this? And I'm like, all right, yeah, that works. <laughs> That's right. I like to manipulate people. You call it directing. <laughs> I say, you, be funny. You, be Let's funny now. Yeah. <laughs> but getting back to it then, I'm just kind of curious. Colin, what do you remember from your first exposure to The Mask? So I'm going to admit this. Of all the films, as a kid, when I saw it, it was weirdly inspiring to me. I don't know if I just liked the performance or the concept of being that kind of superhero with kind of a dark twist to it. Something about him as the mask was weirdly appealing to me. Even if the film, you know, it, d it does not stand the test of time, by the way. I've looked at some scenes and I've rewatched some of it and I'm like, oh my goodness. But it was very memorable for me. He was quite an influence. I remember researching the superhero and I wanted to ask you guys, do you know if Dark Horse is still producing comics today? They are. Most recently, the project I know about is they produced George Lucas's original treatment for Star Wars as a comic. So oh, like wow, before Disney bought it and everything, that was kind of like one of the last things they got out. So you got to see George Lucas's original vision that was very different. Yeah. So up until a couple of years ago, at least they were. Interesting. But, but speaking of the comic, so you're saying you read the actual mass comics? Just like one or two of the trades. I didn't really read any full arcs. They used they were kind of just one shot stories of different people picking up the mm -hmm. mask and having these kind of revenge fulfillment. I was going to say fantasies, but they're not. They <laughs> well, uh, they are. They're they're. I mean, they're grotesquely violent revenge stories is what they are. I mean, they're not for kids. They were adult comics. I mean, right. even in the first comic, Stanley Ipkiss, not a likable character, gets killed at the very end by oh, his really? girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, he's the first mask, but after that, he's dead. And then Lieutenant Kellaway, who's kind of like a minor character in the movie, he actually is the mask in the second series. And then... He's the one who like goes through every iteration of the mask. Lieutenant Kellaway is there, but the girlfriend eventually gets the mask back. Everything is just people getting like shotgun holes blown right. through them. <laughs> the mask, he didn't morph into green-faced versions of things. He would actually have a human-looking face, and he would change his look, and then he would rip off the flesh, and it would be mm -hmm. all like bloody. And yeah. It's a gross comic, but the illustration is beautiful. I, I mm -hmm. love the style of the artwork by Doug Mankey. What we got on film very far away intentionally from the comics but jeff do you agree with colin counterpoint <laughs> the test of time i don't know like the test of time i would agree with colin in the context of you guys compared it or talked about this with wayne's world and this mm -hmm. absolutely should be viewed with wayne's world and austin powers where for a generation <laughs> i mean to this day, smoking is still a thing oh, yeah. that people say, and this is where it came from. I still mm -hmm. feel like 
this is a big thing that led to the big band craze that we went through through the 90s. Oh, yeah. Like, it was totally played part of into it. that. Because it's funny, like, I'm a big Jim Carrey fan. I was a big Jim Carrey fan. I continue to be a big Jim Carrey fan. I love his comedy. I love his drama, maybe even more than his comedy. But the funny thing was, this is maybe my second least favorite uh, nothing's going to be as bad as the cable guy but this is maybe <laughs> my second least favorite of his films but the crazy really? thing is i remember back in the 90s especially when liar liar came out i kept trying to talk to my parents even like my aunts and uncles or whatever about like hey i really think you guys would appreciate liar liar like it's a really <laughs> funny movie and they would like it and they're like, oh, no, no, I just don't like that Jim Carrey. I love The Mask, though, but I don't like that Jim Carrey. I don't like his style. I'm like, are you kidding me? The Mask is the craziest he ever got. And for some reason, they like that, but they have in their mind that, no, 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 but I don't like Jim Carrey's style. I don't, I don't know, so. Jeff. I, I still think Ace Ventura 2 and Nature Calls is probably his wackiest. But like, here, here's what I think the secret is to adults and kids and everybody loving The Mask is – that is Jim Carrey at his most lovable when he's playing Stanley Ipecus. He's never been more relatable and enjoyable on screen, in, in my opinion. Like when, when I watch it now, you know, as a kid, I love The Mask, but I just love all his work as Stanley in the <laughs> film now as I watch it as a kid. Like just his little physical comedy bits, just his reactions to everything he's doing. And he doesn't seem like a spaz that you're just like, okay, he's hilarious, but he's a freak. Right. You know, right. like it's it's funny. Funny. he's an actually he's a good guy. He's a good yeah. guy. I, it's true. Well, it, but the funny thing was, like, I just rewatched it again today. And I remember, like, this is always on lists of worst adaptations of comic books because the fans of The Mask, mm -hmm. the comic book, hate this movie because it's like you said, Adam, it's not like the comic book. The comic right. book was much darker, you know, everything like that. But the funny thing was, when I really watched it closely this time, I kind of feel like. Maybe this was a movie that didn't know what it was trying to be. Because if you really yeah. look at it, the dialogue is not very good. It's not no, very what? well written. It felt like they had this dark theme. I mean, the mask tries to rape Cameron Diaz in the park. Like, it's dark. He oh, says yeah, that's lines right. like, he yeah. says, if you kiss me, I will show you my baguette. Like, it's gross. Like, it's really... <laughs> at one point, he pulls a condom out of his pocket and goes, right. whoop, wrong balloon. They do go for the darkness, but I feel like Jim Carrey's performance, I don't know, it elevates it above the darkness where we don't even remember all the dark <laughs> stuff goes on, even that he does as the mask, because... It's transcendent, really, his performance. Well, and if, if you look at the director of the film, Charles Russell, or Chuck Russell, he's known. Chuck Russell. He actually directed A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. That's where he got into the New Line family. But what he did, that was a horror franchise that he injected humor into for the first time. He's the one who made Freddy Krueger the household name. He made him kind of relatable to the world. And I feel like he introduces the dark edge. And that's why I enjoy this film is it has just enough edge while still being silly and fun. I don't think it's uneven at all. I think it's a perfect balance. You disagree, obviously. But... <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, it's still a great film, but it's almost because Jim Carrey's performance is just that good. Again, nobody remembers the rape scene. Nobody remembers the inappropriate I dialogue. No, I like, forgot. And if they do... 
that's not what they're seeing. Even though you listen to the dialogue and you're like, he's totally forcing himself on her <laughs> and not okay with the fact that she's not okay with it. And but that's, but we that's skip sort over of the that. point, though. It's it's supposed to be a counterpoint to Stanley as right. you know a oh, good is. guy. But I just feel like as an audience, if you're gonna say, hey, how did you feel about the rape scene in the mask? <laughs> They're not going to know what you talked about. He was they a little forceful, feel- yes. Yeah, but I don't, but I don't was, go so far as to call it that, yeah. But he wasn't necessarily being painted as fully a hero during the movie. In fact, the whole also, movie, he's like, I'm going to be a hero. And then he goes, but first I'm going to get revenge. But first I'm going to rob the bank. I mean, he's pretty anti-hero, really. Yeah, now you said it's because of Jim Carrey's performance is what carries it and makes it work. And I agree because some of the original casting choices they were considering were people like, Martin Short or Robin Williams right. like and you think at the time there's very few people that could have pulled off what Jim Carrey did I was thinking maybe Dana Carvey but he doesn't have the same manic energy that Jim Carrey has you know you know Jim Carrey was essentially an unknown at the time except for in living color Ace Ventura hadn't come out yet he had Dumb and Dumber in the works too but like all those things like it was just okay well we can get this guy cheap and they did get him cheap for this one <laughs> considering and, what he would be paid shortly and after while we're talking about the performance um yeah. he he rocked those prosthetics. Uh, I mean, in a way that very few other actors can. And he was wearing these enormous teeth. And I had read that he was only supposed to wear the teeth for like a handful of scenes or just one scene with dialogue. But Jim Carrey got used to talking with them and they thought they liked the way he spoke with the teeth. They found it zanier or crazier. And he just worked with it. And like he has these enormous prosthetics in his mouth, like the entire movie. And he can still deliver lines. And that was pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, well, I, I think they even reduced the makeup a little bit just to allow his actual expressions to come through. Like I said, what he does, it's not just as the mask that he shines. It's every moment on screen. He's mm-hmm. hilarious. Then you get Cameron Diaz in this film, who I'll be honest, I've never been a fan of her work. I mean, I just, she does a <laughs> lot of movies. She's in a lot of stuff. It was her first film, and she was definitely not their first choice. The director wanted Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> I, heard, I heard that too. In the script, it said, basically she's a live action Jessica Rabbit you know I'm like up oh, and Nicole Smith but she turned it down to do Naked Gun 33 and a third and then Cindy Crawford was the screenwriter had written also in, in another draft and they went to her and she's like no I don't want to play a bimbo and then she did that oh, fair gosh. game movie with Billy Bald whatever you know <laughs> and then they That's even went good. to Vanessa Williams they're like we'll get a singer and an actress and uh, she got pregnant or something so that oh. she was out of the running and then they just found this model with no acting experience but some charm to her and then there she is what did so you guys funny. think of her in this film she she was okay like i don't really find her to be like the most memorable part of the movie i just remember that cameron diaz looks probably her best in this film but like, well, like I think she got like super skinny after this she, that's she did. the problem well, yeah that's true I feel like that is her role. She doesn't, I mean, it's not that significant a role. She was a good foil, but she pulled up, that dance sequence wouldn't have worked unless it would have worked. That was a, an amazing, the mambo or whatever that they were doing. Hey, Pachuco! Uh, Pachuco, exactly. yeah. <laughs> That was mostly them. They actually right. did a good job with that. Also, Peter Green as Dorian, he is the most intimidating, like where I believe this guy must kill people. Okay, uh, what, what else was he in though? Because it drove me he crazy. Was in 
fiction. I think that's his right. Other big thing. He was I in that he too. Something. Yeah. In, in the he, most memorable scene that nobody wants to remember. Well, he always plays a total creep. Like he's right. always well, he, just that guy. He looks a lot like Peter Weller to me. So that's why I got like RoboCop. Yeah. He does. Is this RoboCop? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Why did they cast him in RoboCop three when Peter Weller didn't want to come back? Yeah, Peter <laughs> Green. <laughs> Again, ninety four. This was like the beginning of CGI and all that. But I think for what they are, the special effects and the morphing and all of that, I feel like they do hold up in so much as they are just supposed to be realistic looking cartoons. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to ape reality, right? They were just trying to say, this is what a cartoon would look like if it jumped off the screen. Right. And And something else that's really weird about it, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but it, it has a very familiar Roger Rabbit Tex Avery feel to it, like almost directly imitating the way Roger Rabbit did real life cartoons. It's, like, yeah, it, it felt yeah. the same way. It almost has more substance to it. When that alarm clock yeah. jumps out of its pocket and he pulls the hammer out, right. it looks so realistic. It reminds me of Toontown at Disneyland. Right. Just that sculpted style to, like, okay, this is a three dimensional cartoon. But because I, I remember even getting an issue of Hero Illustrated, if nobody probably remembers that, but it was no. the competitor to Wizard Magazine, a comic book magazine. And oh, I remember wow. the first just stills of what they were doing. It showed the scene where after the alleged rape scene where he <laughs> his face flies off. You oh, know, yeah. He's got like the three layers of the face and the tongues, you know, and it had like the wolf whistle scene. And I was just like, this looks amazing. Like I couldn't hmm. wait to see the film. And then I remember going to the theater and they gave us oh, these wow. promotional pogs. I don't know if you guys got those if you went opening weekend or not, but Did they were pogs. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. I still have them somewhere, you know. That's just one of those things where it's the film is so of the moment and so was that promotion right it's like <laughs> see, the, that brief window of 1993 to 1995 when pogs were a thing you know and, <laughs> did yeah. any of us play the super nintendo game because i didn't now do you know the controversy regarding the release of that game i heard about the nintendo power announcement is that what yeah. you're talking about yeah yeah they so there there was a contest i forgot what how to participate in the contest but the reward was you got to be in the next mask movie like get a small role and and eventually it fell apart and they couldn't make the movie and Nintendo Power had to issue some kind of apology to the winner and say, hey. The- but they didn't do it till their last issue of publication in the oh, final really? in like this little tiny paragraph. <laughs> I didn't like, know that. But, what, but here's the follow-up to that. I did a little research, and um, they actually, they did make good with the kid that won. What happened was they basically contacted him like a few years later. They're like, look, this movie isn't happening after all, because <laughs> basically like everybody was on board. New Line, the director, everybody was going to come back, and then Jim Carrey really did not enjoy doing Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. Basically he said artistically he didn't like going back to revisit characters. And so he said, no, the movie doesn't happen. They contact this kid, Nintendo Power. They're like, okay, we're going to send you a box of video games. You get a mask crew jacket. And then they said, also, if you would like, you can hold out and we'll still put you in a future mask film if they ever make it. Or we'll send you $5,000. So he checked the five thou. He said, after I saw Son of the Mask, I was thankful I did. (laughs) Man, because I didn't even touch it. Yeah, I was just going to say, 
way. I've never seen it. I know that it's Jamie Kennedy, and I know that it's awful. Like every source you look up, it's like, ooh, this movie, do not touch it. It's bad. And I'm yeah. like, I, I'm Jeff, very curious. Jeremy, guys, could you ever see Son of the Mask? No, I didn't. And I was actually getting the IMDb plots pulled up because there's two conflicting ones, and I was going to ask your opinion on them. Yeah, let me tell you, I took one for the team. I did watch Son of the Mask. <laughs> wow, wow. And, uh, it is an unfortunate mess, is really what it is. <laughs> Here's the thing. Jim Carrey is not in this film, right? J.B. Kennedy is not a replacement for Jim Carrey. Just so you know, like not, yeah. even though that's kind of how it's presented, that's really not the film. It is so strange. The you know, basic premise is this guy gets the mask. He's a cartoonist. He works in an animation studio as a costume character, which Jeff and I understand. And what happens is his dog finds the mask. He has to go to a company Halloween party and he puts on the mask because his, his dog chewed up his real mask. And then he turns, he does a big, huge, huge dance number oh i did a big huge like jeff hooray for me anyway he does, <laughs> he, does a dance, you know, he does a dance number at the party and it's just out of nowhere that he just does it that he goes home makes love to his wife the problem is up to that point you don't like jamie kennedy because he's basically like a man child plays video games doesn't want to have a kid his wife's upset with him he's not going anywhere <laughs> his career he's not lovable for the you know jim carrey was lovable from the moment you met him a little bit schlubby but you still said you know he's still a good guy james kennedy is not so then what happens they have a baby and the baby has the powers of the mask because he was wearing the mask when they made it yeah yes this is where the movie becomes three different films at once because it's one of it is jamie kennedy trying to get ahead in his career so he gives them the mask character as his animated offering and, the, the, and so he's tried to make that happen but he sucks at it after mm. when he doesn't have the mask he's not creative he's nothing and then the dog takes off with the mask so he never sees it again and then the dog is jealous of the baby for taking all the attention so the dog tries to kill the baby it's what? like a Tom and Jerry you know the baby's invincible so you're supposed to not be worried about the fate of the baby so oh the baby's gosh. beating up the dog the dog's beating up the baby the dog with the mask on by the way like Milo in the first film and uh -huh. then all the while, Loki, played by Alan Cumming, who's great, loved him in huh. Josie and the Pussycats, loved him in, you know, X2. He's Nightcrawler, and, yeah. Yeah. But he plays basically Loki trying to find the baby, and Bob Hoskins plays Odin, and Odin Bob sends Hoskins him down and says, get this mask and find the baby. Oh you, my God. You know, and it's crazy. And then there's another plot line where J.B. Kennedy gets left alone at home with the baby, so it becomes, oh, incompetent dad, doesn't know how to take care of a baby film, baby's <laughs> on him all this like you know, all those tropes and then finally at the very end loki gets the baby and then odin's like i'm taking away your powers loki but he doesn't really because loki still has his powers the entire film so i, I don't know why they have that in there and then, but they can't beat each other because jamie kennedy has the mask so he has the same powers as loki oh and God. finally loki says we'll let the baby decide and so you're like what so the baby used to go with loki or go with jamie kennedy but the baby prefers his mom throughout the whole film. This time he chooses the dad. And then Jamie Kennedy's supposed to have this big heart-wrenching moment. My son, that's my son, you know? And then Odin comes down and is chewing out Loki. And Jamie Kennedy says, look, 
this is your son. Nothing's more important than your son. And then he helps the gods reconcile. And then that's the <laughs> end of the movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a well-made film, but the story of it is ridiculous. It's like, why'd they bother? You know, like, but it looks really nice. But otherwise, uh, it's it's frustrating to watch. But yeah, The Son of the Mask, you know, just a disappointing film. Everybody agrees. I feel bad for Jamie Kennedy because he was put in that situation. <laughs> but the one successful adaptation of The Mask beyond the first film was the Saturday morning cartoon. Rob Paulson, who did Yakko from the Animaniacs and Raphael from Ninja Turtles, and he did The Mask, and he did a great job. Like, mm-hmm. it, everything you loved, if you, if you loved the first film, which most people did, it really does bring that style and that energy back in, as well as incorporating a little bit of the comic book universe into it. So, the last thing I'll just say is, for me, it actually inspired me to draw my own comics, because mm-hmm. I started literally going and making mask comics like i had a little notebook and i would just do my own adventures with somebody who found the mask two or three of them and i specifically oh remember showing them to colin no i, and then I realized it had your own <laughs> comic characters he had he had screwy louie and oh stick man the bomb squad <laughs> like but, but his, his characters were like the mask like they could yeah. transform they would whirlwind you know they would do whatever they they were just wacky guys it was us maybe not understanding how directly influenced we were <laughs> by, by the things that huh. we saw and appreciated. Yes. Most definitely. <laughs> Obviously, you know, we got Son of the Mask indirect sequel, but we're here tonight, I think, to hopefully create something that maybe is a little bit more faithful and true and entertaining and a new energy or bringing back the old. But At least Jeremy's- entertaining is the yeah, old. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it. Who would like to go first? Colin, will you take uh, I'll the try. Ring? I also wanted to talk about, before I launch into this, the zaniness of the mask. And that kind of goes into what I'm going to talk about with the movie or, or the plot of the sequel. I think it's up to interpretation. I'm not entirely sure if the mask is what makes you zany and cartoony because we've established that Stanley Ipkiss is a man who likes Tex Avery cartoons. And so when he put on the mask, he became a life version of a Tex Avery cartoon. And -hmm. it was like things that were inclusive to him like as an individual like he liked those cartoons so when he put on the mask he became the tasmanian devil and like all these cartoons that meant something to him so you could run with the concept that the mask will bring out could bring out anything like you don't have to necessarily turn into a cartoon when you put on the mask and i wanted to establish that like apocalypse the mask has always been there and it has been (laughs) in our world like since the dawn of time and it has been passed around and i I, it sounds ugly and dumb but i imagined like an institution where it was like very expensive and it was this giant containment unit for the mask where these people were like researching it keeping it maybe in like a protective field a la magneto's prison in like this big corporate (laughs) facility (laughs) and perhaps someone infiltrates or someone working there would steal the mask and take it for themselves and have some kind of wild revenge uh, adventure with it and then perhaps at the end of the film we could explore that the mask never dies like it never goes anywhere and it'll be here long after we're all dead and like just seeing like the mask halfway submerged in a sand you know like after the apocalypse the mask is always there you can't destroy it but it's weird because the more I think about my idea it sounds like the new Power Rangers movie just kind of like a modern (laughs) updating of 
of, you know, just kind of making it cool. And some kid finds the mask and it's like a new version of it where it's cooler and not as wacky and has a blue filter over the whole film. And <laughs> um, But yeah, I thought of that as like, you know, because it's a superhero story. It's definitely a superhero story and it's going to feel like a superhero movie when you put it out there. You could make it kind of more like a zany comedy the way Jamie Kennedy's version was, but I feel like that ultimately failed. And I think the more you make it like a superhero slash revenge fantasy, I mean, we could go full dark too. like just just bring back the violence and give the comic book lovers what they really wanted and just give them that evil, dark, twisted version of the mask. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple directions to go there. I, I love that concept. You're almost saying like the origin story of the mask, like it's just right. always been here throughout time. But then a new kid gets it. You know, some kid. Some new kid. Some kid, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was <laughs> Some kids. new actor. Jeff? All right. So for me, well, and like Colin said, my thought, not so much is the darker one, but I definitely was trying to merge the comic with the movie, knowing that fans of the movie would want to see the movie and fans of the comic would want to see the comic, and that's a very different thing. Although I still don't quite like my title because... I was going to go with The Mask of Doom, but I don't like that. Maybe The Mask of Justice or The Mask. The Mask of Doom seems better, but then that gives away the ending. But anyway. I bet it's a fantastic four Right, film I was going to say so. it's a fantastic four film. Is Fox making this? Anyway, maybe. Well, no, it was New Line. But Josh right? Trank is not. Oh, yeah. Josh Trank. Anyway, so there's a junior paralegal named Bart Rott who has a dead-end job as a junior paralegal, but he really <laughs> believes in the work. We're serving justice and everything like that, but it really drives him crazy when, even though he's not a lawyer or anything, he's just a junior paralegal, he sees all of these bad guys getting away with things and justice not being done. So in his home life, he's kind of a loner. He's a big into superheroes, which kind of feeds into his love of justice. And one day, his girlfriend or maybe his mom or stepmom no not stepmom that's weird somebody i don't know if he has a girlfriend that's you know i'm up open to that anyway i see him going antique shopping and that's where he finds a green mask and for some crazy reason he decides to purchase it one way or the other he eventually tries it on and all of a sudden he realizes that he has turned into some form of the superhero that he's always envisioned except for he has a giant green head but all of a sudden he has all of these powers from all of these superheroes that he always loves so he goes out and he starts to fight crime he comes up with the name of the judge and he's going out to right all the wrongs that he's seen however being that the mask is chaotic, everything he tries and does, he ends up making things worse. But he keeps trying and keeps failing because the mask is still winning. Eventually, we get to the end, and rather than the heroic turn where he turns his back on the mask, he ends up yielding to the mask and giving in and decides he's going to wear the mask full-time. He changes his name to Barton Van Rotten and becomes a <laughs> supervillain named Judge Doom and later decides to pick on a small rabbit named Rock. <laughs> oh my god. He does act very Judge Doomy though. Like uh, in The Mask, the regular film, I actually was directly reminded of that point. character. Yeah. 
Jeff. It Jeff is. has been all about mashing up universes lately. What? I love it. Your thing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, I think it's clever. That's good. Okay, well, mine is uh I, I was looking at it and after the disappointment of Son of the Mask, and I was just like the first one just being a perfect standalone film in my mind, I just said, I don't know what I really want to do with this. Cause if I want to continue it or I want to do a prequel, I just don't feel like it's going to serve the spirit of the mask. So what I did was I decided we need to take this in a whole different direction. It needs to be an anthology film. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. With multiple really directors. Was. Yeah. So, yeah. So, my, so to start it out, it would be, it's called The Mask, Three Faces of Mayhem. I put three directors in here that I feel like could really give it an interesting attitude and edge in some cases that it needed. Because that's really what the comics were about, too, is the mask just moving from person to person. Mm -hmm. The first segment, I was thinking either John Favreau or Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright would be great. So basically, it starts out with a patient with split personality disorder escapes a mental hospital, and he's kind of guided to the mask just in like a dreamlike daze, like it's calling to him. But during his transformation, the two identities in his brain cause it to actually split into two separate mask individuals. So one is more sadistic that kind of has these powers of invulnerability. So he's just mean and can't be killed and the other is more altruistic but he gets kind of the reality bending powers where he can do that mm. so that first little segment is kind of like a, a wacky mayhem it's kind of a battle through edge city between these two <laughs> and with the alt altruistic side ultimately winning he manages to merge the two back together to find that he's actually now cured of his split personalities and the evil entity is kind of trapped inside the mask but mm. he's just kind of I'm happy now I want to go on with my life so he sneaks in the back door of this rock club their fight brought them to and he tosses the mask in a toilet and then just kind of wanders off you know to enjoy his new life now in the meantime inside that rock club there's this girl named connie who's kind of i guess you would just say like a punk nerd uh who's in a <laughs> band called envy us and she's uh, always trying to get her songs up and for the band but she's got this really mean diva lead singer paula who's always shooting down her ideas she's having an affair with the band's manager so she always gets her way and then Connie, meanwhile, is getting sexually harassed by this guy, Mikey, who's the guitarist of the headlining band Scum Sucker that they've been opening <laughs> for on tour. You know, but so she's basically just shot down. She's told to keep quiet or we're going to lose our gig. So she's just frustrated inside. So one night she decides she's going to actually sabotage the performance. She just gets blind drunk. She's about to throw up in the bathroom of the bar. And that's when she sees the mask in the toilet. And she passes out face first into the toilet. And that, that, that just goes dark. And she wakes up. And she doesn't have the mask anymore. And there's police and everybody backstage is just going crazy. And she gets taken to the station in handcuffs, shows YouTube footage of herself looking like a green-faced Joan Jett. And you know, she's pushing Paula out of the spotlight during their performance. She's playing her song, Don't Be a Drag, getting all punk rock and awesome. The crowd's behind her. She grabs Paula and throws her into the mosh pit. She becomes everybody in the mosh pit, so there are all these different mask people. And she's, like, basically moshing Connie, you know, into a, a coma. Yeah, to death. <laughs> you know, just taking Kills her down. Her. And then the, the scum suckers come out. And they're, what are you doing? You know, and then Connie grabs Mikey and rectally inserts his guitar, you know, Whoa. whatever. Wow, this took a dark turn. <laughs> I mean, that's it's, that's her revenge, you know. And then she drops the mic in a big explosion, and then she jumps out into the crowd. She's crowd surfing, but then. <laughs> 
while she's crowd surfing, somebody reaches up and grabs the mask off of her and bolts out of the club. Hmm. And then you just see it goes back to her and she's getting arrested or, you know, and oh, and I should say that the second chapter was going to be directed by Penelope Spiris, who did Wayne's World and Decline of Western Civilization. Oh. Also, the little rascals, surprisingly. So the last up. segment is actually what I feel like is going to be this movie's signature moment, but it would be by Neville Dean and Taylor. And if you don't know who they are, they're the guys who did the Crank films and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. So oh, well. they just do amp up craziness right so the film is going to be entirely shot from the point of view of the unnamed thief who stole the mask from connie in the previous segment i didn't see it i just saw the trailers but there was this movie called maniac with elijah wood which was shot this way it was just literally all through his eye sockets so that's what this would be so we see the guy runs off gets in his car drives to his apartment he's got all these documents and maps and historical papers relating to the map mask so he's been studying it plus he has an enemies list and so we see that he's been in pursuit of it for a long time he's got a reason to have stolen it so he puts on the mask he goes out and basically what we see now is as soon as he puts on the mask the world transforms into kind of like a dark cartoon mm. and he has like terminator style vision so it's like weapons just like pop up in front of him and then he can select them and make them appear so it's kind of like a video <laughs> game you know so he's just going out and he's just like beating up all these people but you find out he's a criminal he's trying to take out the competition and all these things so he's doing all these crazy you know maniacal attacks and there's this voluptuous <laughs> woman who appears on screen every time he does something she's like oh you're hot you know like so she's like so <laughs> encouraging him. so he's just all amped up but you know the fun part is that we get to be the mask right so we get mm -hmm. to like see him spinning around get shot in the face then heal or like just all these different things but finally what happens is he's doing all that then the sun comes up and he doesn't understand that part and he loses his power and it leaves him vulnerable so the last guy he was attacking which we didn't get a good look at now just shoots him and kills him and oh. then at the last minute that pov ends and we just see this hand pick up the mask and who is it but Dorian from the first film. Oh. Because he didn't, he didn't die, die. He just got flushed. He could have ended that's up true. anywhere. So he just picks it up, but he's just like, you know, time to have some fun. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> there it is. So those are both really fun, actually. I like those a lot. Jeremy? So I will let you three make your votes right now. Colin, which story do you feel would be the strongest movie of the three? Personally, as we were talking about it, the word anthology popped into my head. I'm like, wow, it should be an anthology story. Then Adam went ahead and said that. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking of too, because <laughs> it is kind of like the comics. So maybe not the exact same way, but I loved the concept of it. I love the concept of an anthology with multiple stories stories talking about the mask and then tying them together somehow yeah i'd agree with that one that it kind of made me think of the, the movie four rooms where they got oh, yeah. you know, the four different directors to do four different yeah. stories that were just connected by so that kind of that same sort of a thing like you were saying with the different directors and the different vision and mm -hmm. uh finding some way to overlap them all that would be really neat i was gonna go for colin's loose concept because again that was actually one of my initial thoughts was yeah what is the history of the mask mm -hmm. and how has it influenced the things that have occurred in our world. It doesn't have to be from Loki or could it be something else? So I would personally vote for Colin just in the <laughs> concept. Okay, what do we do with it now? You know, and right. yes, it does arrive in modern day with a kid, but maybe it is more of like a, even a time travel story or something. You know, I don't know. I think 
could do some fun it stuff. It was like Assassin's that. Creed, but with the mask instead of yeah. the Templars and the Assassins. <laughs> um, right, so, Jeremy, what's the verdict? Well, I'm going to have to vote with the crew and go with Adam here. Right. Now, the question is, though, where do you guys want to take an anthology concept? The thing that spoke most to me is, well, when you put on any show, it's really nice to see a method to the madness, basically bookend, especially in, in a story with multiple stories. It's always just such a gift, and it feels like magic when you see all the stories come together at the end. Like, somehow they all link up. Somehow the characters know each other. You know what I mean? We're right back to where we started. Mm-hmm. That kind of feeling just is a great gift to the audience to feel like, oh, wow, it's been like this the whole time, or like, it was the, <laughs> you know, these were the same stories, you know, and like, he was there in the club, and it's neat to see that. So I would love to see it, like, all tie together and, you know, the mask somehow unites these stories and these lives, you know, in a certain yeah. way. Well, well I was kind of thinking, yeah. going along, like, that last part there, and almost maybe even tying into what Colin was talking about, is that instead of doing its one story where we watch mask pass from person to person to person, is to do, like, historical. The first third of the movie takes place in medieval times, <laughs> and then you jump forward to, like, colonial times, and then you could maybe do, like, uh, an Assassin's Creed sort of a thing where it's, what do all of these have to do with each other? And, right. Or maybe even, like, a national treasure sort of an idea where it's <laughs> something about the mystery or unlocking, and then it's more disjointed than all one continuous story. Colin's point, obviously I wanted to tie it all in because I feel the same way. It's like, oh, this is here, this is here, this was happening while this was happening or whatever. And then you see it all tie together. But at the same time, I enjoyed Colin's concept of the historical aspect like you brought up, Jeff. So I wonder if at least that first segment could go away. You know, the mental patient splits into two masks, fights Mm -hmm. each other. I don't know. That one was my weakest. Uh, Or even starter. It could even just be a montage of the mask being lost throughout time maybe it's just a montage of people throwing the mask away so people mm-hmm. that don't know what the mask is it starts with this question of why is everybody want to get rid of this mask just for people who don't know um the original film it actually had a prologue that yeah. was the vikings dropping off the mask right they're like we got to get mm-hmm. this as far away as possible right. from our home it's like that's a very in continuity to to a certain point concept mm-hmm. but i like that jeff yeah just a little opening montage where nero people would know who he is you know but like bro- <laughs> is burning and he's like oh no why did i do while i was the mask you know well you could even (laughs) you could do it even more subtly than that because i was even picturing like you could not even show faces just show arms or like hands hands so so you see maybe someone with like a ruffled shirt that looks like they might be in elizabethan times throwing it away and then you Mm -hmm. show like a gauntleted hand from the (laughs) night i guess that would come first but you know something like that and so it's just a bunch of hands, faceless hands. So we need a casting call for all the hand models and all exactly. the hands. No, but yeah. I know what you're George saying. Like that that sense of anonymity, like, you know, you see all these lives, all these people throughout time, you know, throwing it away and you makes you wonder, like, what's what's going on here? Like, it sets you up for the rest of the film. I kind of like that, actually. The one thing that I was thinking about while you guys all kind of addressed it to begin with is difficulty with a sequel for this is that you've got the comic book fans that are so grumpy that it wasn't as dark as they wanted. And the people love the movie that want to see Jim Carrey doing Looney Tunes again. (laughs) So it's like to do a sequel, 
can you please both audiences or do you have to write one of them off? I think it has to be dark now. It could almost be an HBO <laughs> anthology series or something. Did you guys but... see the new Judge Dredd with Carl Urban? Yeah. I thought it was awesome. And it was really tr- like unusually true to the comic. And I feel like that has been kind of being done really well nowadays. Like things are much truer to the comics now mm-hmm. than they ever were before ever. And it's kind of cool to finally see it done right. So I feel like maybe just going all out and making it just the most violent, de- like Deadpool, you know what I mean? Just be really over the top with the violence. Well, that, that was my thought. With the success of Deadpool, it just seems like people are ready for that style of film now. Yeah. And they, they could accept Right, but with this, you run into the problem that again, at least half of your audience is going to say like, oh, The Mask is going to feel that way because of the Jim Carrey movie. Whereas right, Deadpool, right. the only people that knew who Deadpool were at all were the ones that knew <laughs> comic, comic books. Right. And they, That's they, true. they got what they were looking for. It's not like there were some people who were like, oh, Deadpool. Oh, he's that lovable cartoon <laughs> character. No, no one thought that. But, but I feel like it's almost a Batman Begins style, or even a, even an 89, you know, Tim Burton Batman reboot, where people mm-hmm. just okay. remembered the 60s Batman, and right. now you're saying, look, this is how it really is. You know, like, yeah. this is how it's going to be now. Just forget that stuff. Because, look, we tried it again, and you got Son of the Mask. So yeah. let us do right. some fresh and new. That's and really going back right. to base. Yeah, like you guys said, if you did do something with like Amazon or Netflix, that's up their alley these days where they can Mm -hmm. hit the reset button. They already hit the reset button with one Jim Carrey thing by doing series of unfortunate events. So they're they're fine with ticking off Jim Carrey. I would see this as a series on Netflix. If you do it on Amazon, you have to pitch a pilot to them and then it has to go through the viewers on Amazon vote for which pilot Hmm. that they'll pick up, which they just rebooted the tick. Oh, yeah. Oh, they did? Yeah. Which is a little darker it's, than, you know, the Patrick Warburton. It, it's the not... worst thing I have ever seen. I wrote <laughs> Amazon to complain, by the way. Did you really? <laughs> wow. Is it, is it the live action or the cartoon? Yeah, no, it's, it's live. live oh, wow. I got the least tick-like human on earth to play the tick. But yeah. <laughs> Patrick Warburton time. just came out and said that he was, uh, he was willing to come back if they had asked. No uh, way. Yeah. So I can definitely see this as kind of the reboot. Now, if we go the anthology, definitely, as you guys are saying, headless figures, just cutaway scenes of them throwing away the mask or just going that route. Now, what is our present day story? Are we doing the split personality like Adam was saying, or shall we go another direction with it? I still feel like there needs to be at least an homage to the original film, because that's kind Mm -hmm. of your base audience. The one thing that could be built on from that movie is that the mask doesn't turn you into a cartoon character. The mask attaches itself to what's already in your brain. So we build on that. Yeah, it's really about your inner personality is is what it brings out. Like one person who's maybe into comic books and then one person who, like you said, Adam, like is a rock star and that they've always wanted to be like, maybe they're not even in a band, you know, maybe that's mm-hmm. the thing is that's what them. I could be John Bon Jovi if I just had better hair or whatever. <laughs> it gives them what they want, but at a price sort of a thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's like I, monkey's paw. Yeah. Yeah. I was exactly. going to add that revealing that it's Odin and Loki and stuff, I think is too much information. I think I, yeah, the less yeah. we know about the background and the magic <laughs> and the mystery, the better. <laughs> so like, I, I don't need to know that it's connected to Loki and like, we don't need to meet, you know, a blind Chinese man who goes actually and like, 
turns the page. No, like we don't need that. I think it's neater to explore the concept that it brings out your darkest fantasies and you make them come true. In the comics I read, at least the origins they sort of showed for the mask were more like tribal weird ceremony, you know, at like Africa or something like it, it, it didn't have anything to do with Norse mythology in the comics. How about we could do one fake out? Like all the stories are about the mask and these people's, you know, adventures with the mask. Maybe one of them is a person who just like, oh, it was because I had the mask. And then we reveal like, no, dude, that that was you the whole time. You were just acting out. And that That's was just deep, split That's deep. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, it'd be kind of neat because the whole film, you're just assuming that these are adventures with the mask. And then one of them's like, no, that was just the mask's influence on you because you've heard about it in, in now, popular What, what about directors for these segments? Is there anybody like a filmmaker you feel like you would want to have be a part of this series if we're doing a Netflix series? Yeah, now we're talking TV and Netflix. Yeah. So most of the time you're not going to get big directors. I would like to see Burton's take on the mask. Although I haven't been a big fan of what he's been doing lately, but uh, I would like to see him. He's doing a live action Dumbo now, so Oh, is that wow. right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and supposedly Will Smith is signed on to be a star in that movie, so Oh goodness. I'd be interested to go, I mean, in a dream world, which is where we're living right now, that if we could have the different segments that are reflecting different people's, you know, so they would be very different feeling, which is kind of what I think you were going for, Adam. Then we could get a different director that fits with that theme and that style. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Who directed Scott Pilgrim? Edgar Wright, I I think is a, it would be a really great addition to this as well. Well, he's great for anything. Well, so here's a slightly off topic, but may inspire our choices as well. What would you guys do if you had the mask? That's what I was trying to figure out as I was pitching this. I was like, really, where would I take it? What would the mask influence me to do? What do you guys think it would be? What are you willing to admit that you would do with the mask? (laughs) I think for me, I've realized that more and more, I did a strength finder test one time and it said one of my strength finders was unity. Which seemed very strange because I feel like I'm an argumentative person, but I feel like that fits in with my unity thing. I want everyone to be on the same page, albeit my page. And so I feel like that would be the mask would institute those sort of things. So you would be a dictator? What would you probably, be? You'd be a communist. <laughs> I would be, you guys are wrong. Don't you see that? I'm going to show you how wrong you are. Oh, there you go. That's dark. That's dark, man. I, myself, it would probably be a great thing for me. Like it probably would reinstill a confidence I never knew I had and allow me to probably uh, become successful. But I don't know if there would be a dark twist in that, <laughs> but because it's the mask, like there has to be, of course. because it's the mask. But like, I just imagine that the mask gives you confidence. Like even if it's like to a degree that's inappropriate, it's it's an absurd amount of, of confidence and power. And I think I would be able to utilize that to become successful. But like I said, I, I imagine there'd be a dark twist somewhere in there. And so <laughs> something would go afoul at some point. Uh, but yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking for me, I was thinking about it. I was just like, you know, what would really happen is there's so many like 
songs I want performed better than I can on a guitar. There's so many films <laughs> that I've written that I want to see made well. And so I would probably go around like kidnapping accomplished directors <laughs> and artists and forcing them to produce for my studio and have my crazy mask studios. Yeah. So that, no, that's, that's most likely what, what I would be doing. I just be <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate and, sequel quester. You will make yeah. a sequel. <laughs> so the last remaining question I have, because I mean, casting is going to be all over the place. Like mm-hmm. yeah. we're going to have a different one every episode. How about we have one overarching uh, narrator or oh. he plays a part in each of the stories. Maybe he's a police officer that's investigating each and every one of the. Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> Just now, like the in the comic stories kind of thing. I love that idea. It's just that and I thought about that. I kept thinking of the mask, something, something, something. Like as you see it like floating down the water, like seeing it dropped into the ocean, you just hear this narration. And I couldn't help but think that that's bad movie making is like oh, like beating the audience over the head with with information. But I love the concept that there's an overarching character that experiences all these events and perhaps is the narrator of the story. So I'm kind of torn. Well, I don't mean like five minutes of narration every no. every episode, but it's somebody who introduces the story of each episode and yeah you want a crypt keeper kind of crypt keeper ish but transitions to he's on the scene so you start every episode at the end and then oh, he begins yeah. re- reconstructing what happened non-linear it does have a very tales from the crypt twilight zone kind of vibe to it like okay. with each story of the mask there's these different lives that are affected so you could you know bookend it that way I so, suppose. But, if, if so basically turn- we need an agent colson who's in every story <laughs> somehow yeah because <laughs> that's the question too is do we want somebody that has a little sense of humor to him so it's like he's investigating this stuff but he's not just stereotypical hard-nosed cop? Or do we want somebody <laughs> who's more like gruff and just kind of like, uh, you won't believe what you see this time? I mean, I, Jeff I, Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Too much swarm. He has no swarm. I mean, well, if you wanted to tie it all in, we could get Peter Green, who played Dorian, and he could just, you know, he put a mustache on him so he looks different. <laughs> you know? but, yeah, but he's got that, like, streetwise attitude to him, so it might be mm-hmm. kind of fun to have him in there. And then, again, there's kind of your bridge to the old movie, but not exactly, because he's not playing Dorian. But, mm-hmm. Right. I don't think that's the bridge people were looking for, though. I don't, I don't know how many people were like, you know what I loved about Mask? The bad guy. No. Oh, he was great. And I, my favorite line of his, by the way, is at the very end when Tina's trying to fake him out. She's like, I want to kiss. You know, they're like, Dorian, we got to go. And he's like, there's always time for one last is it just me or does he remind you of that actor who played one of the Fratelli brothers from the Goonies, the guy who sung? Uh, Do you know yeah, who I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> he was Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson in Die yeah. Hard. That's right, you're right. His name is Robert Davey. I have one actor in mind, but only because he does the voice of Batman and also he's on S.H.I.E.L.D. right now as the acting director. Christian Bale. He, he can do this voice. That? He can do this voice the entire <laughs> no, time. No, not that. The mask has been around for years and years and it came up. <laughs> Jason O'Mara. From South Park. Did, did he have throat <laughs> cancer, Jeff? Uh, maybe so. Christian Bale maybe have so. throat cancer and now he has the... <laughs> 
<laughs> he has a voice box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what's the guy's name, Jeremy? Jason O'Mara. He's been Batman on all of the new DC movies, except the ones that Kevin Conroy's been. Huh. Okay. There, he's Irish, apparently. Yeah, he's, got, he's got some TV cred. He's got movie cred. But he's not too big. And he's mm-hmm. someone that can narrate well. And also... On camera, he's got some good presence. What Should about, we pick uh, masks? Like who, like the the featured actors who wear the mask? Well, I think it's going to depend on like what they're doing. You know, what, mm-hmm. what their thing is. Well, yeah, that's what's so interesting. You know, in certain cases, they'll go super wacky. It's almost like, you know, you want to get someone like Nick Kroll, you know, because he could do like any, oh, any song or any voice or whatever. But that would be one of the wackier yeah. ones. But then you would go like more serious because I, I was thinking of uh, Anna Kendrick. I feel like she has some wackiness waiting inside of her to come out. Yeah, you might be over her real soon because uh, she's going to be the new quote-unquote Santa Claus in Disney's reboot. What? Of the Santa Claus? Of the Santa Claus? Yeah, she's uh. the daughter of Santa Claus and Santa decides to retire. So Tim Allen? <laughs> Nicole, her, her, his daughter, ends up taking over the family business. Oh, yeah. my gosh. There's there's a franchise we don't need to work on. They're doing just fine. <laughs> but Colin, did you have someone in mind that you were wanting to, to bust out? As... I, I do. Uh, I'd love to see Charlie Day uh, be a, a mask. Oh, of course. From a, I, I think he'd be really funny. and Because there's, there's actually not a lot of Jim Carrey's nowadays. Like, there's not oh. a lot of people who are so fun and wacky and just full of life <laughs> it just like yeah. that, that just kind of explode off the screen the way he does um but i feel like charlie day would at least be fun seeing like maybe a mask where everything goes wrong for him and like maybe he doesn't get everything he wants and it just all of it explodes in his face and it's just all downhill from there once <laughs> he gets the mask. his inner personality is the lovable loser <laughs> <laughs> yes i like well, yes. it, it, it was funny that you said that when you said charlie day because my mind went to a similar actor, they almost look alike, but James Roday from Psych, who I also oh. think he's great. Like, I feel like he would have a lot to bring to an episode. But I was also thinking, like, either multiracially or real different types of characters. So we're not looking for, like, an imitation of Jim Carrey. You right. Know? Like, right. Definitely need a woman. There definitely needs to be a female mask at one point. I would say your cheapest route, that way you've got the most money for special effects is to just pluck out SNL cast members from throughout the ages. Oh, that'd be fun. Then you are going comedy. Comedy instead of the violent. Yeah, to go. Comic book version. Well, so somebody who straddles the line that could do both, then if we're looking for like actresses, Tony Collette, she has a lot to bring to the table. But Jeff, what were you saying? When in doubt, Michael Chitlis. <laughs> Commish. That's a neat you know. choice. And he was on Gotham recently. What really? Can't, what can't that man do? <laughs> well, he's always playing a cop. Or Rocky Super Monsters. I was thinking we were being kind of ageist. We need an elderly mask. So that he's like Michael Chitlis, hello? He's not that old. Come on. How what about are you like... looking? What about like Steve Martin? Wow. D- dig someone up. Like <laughs> he just well, does the, his old routine. And he's yeah, like, I like, still <laughs> comedy though. 
He's done drama. He's done some semi-serious work. Robert De Niro. Ooh, Robert. So the Robert, problem is Robert we've De Niro got now. this uh, Amazon <laughs> show we want you to be on. Okay, what do I have to do? You gotta wear <laughs> a green a mask thing. and kill people. All right. He did Crutch Match. You know, like he's like Stallone now, where it's just like, oh, we're just doing wish fulfillment movies now. We'll just do whatever you want. Okay, you want me in this role? Fine. But, so, but that's the problem. Is I feel like it would just be an imitation. He'd do some raging bull, aging boxer that gets back in the ring that as the master. That would be interesting to have somebody that, whatever it was, where they want to reclaim their youth or something yeah. like that. What if you got Scott Bayo? He's not that old, <laughs> but he's nobody now. And so then he ends up maybe killing a bunch of current actors because that's what the mask does is that that's how he wants to get back at people. So it would be kind of meta, like it would be a real deal. Like he if he's playing Scott Bayo gets the mask is what you're saying. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think that's what people playing, have been waiting he's for. playing an actor that is no longer a big deal. Yeah, the meta part would be that he is an actor that's no longer a big deal. <laughs> All right, if we go that route, what about Steven Seagal? Uh, I like that. I don't get a... feel like he has the versatility to give us much. <laughs> well, okay, well, Sorry, that's, that's the point. You only see him in the beginning and at the end. You get a body double. You get a, a different actor to play a young Steven Seagal in The Mask. Well, uh... I think you guys are touching on the same thing. Like, it would be neat to see an elderly character want to reclaim his youth through the mask like that would be a very cool theme to run with yeah and i guess other than that i almost feel like for the the pilot episode you want to have a get so you you want to have okay this was our big you know get like tom hanks like he would do a (laughs) one-off because he knows the producer you know or whatever (laughs) get him in there big name well or maybe you get jim carrey but you don't have him play stanley ipkiss he plays somebody else that's darker and then that bridges the gap for you. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So he's kind of introducing the world as guess what? It's not what you were expecting. It's not Jim yeah. Carrey. Yeah. Exactly. It's exactly. not And again, Jim Carrey's done that with his own career many times. He's mm-hmm. played you know, kind of some darker characters. You're like, oh, okay. So that's what this is. Mm-hmm. All right. Or again, just get Neil Patrick Harris because they're about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good concept we have. Then obviously each one ends in disaster. It's introduced by the detective who shows up at the scene and sees the aftermath. My uh, question that I'm thinking right now: Why do people watch this show? It sounds like it's not funny. It's, what what, <laughs> what are everybody? we getting out of watching this show? What do they get? I think part of it is the casting. It's like bringing in people that you're familiar and putting them in a very wish fulfillment fantasy situation. It's almost like the love boat where it's just like bring in all these people, put them in a strange scenario that you know who they are. So you're excited to see them. So it's like stunt casting is what has made Tales from the Crypt or Twilight Zone or anything of interest to people. It's almost the morality, the justice or however it plays out at the end. That people feel like, okay, oh, wow, you know, what's the twist going to be? It's it's very much in the vein of those types of shows. So it's got like an ironic twist or, yeah, like you said, essentially the moral of the story. Yeah. So what if we call this series Tales of the Mask? Might be too on the nose, but I think it makes sense. It's very Twilight Zone-ish. 
I mean, we can have our cop introduce each episode in that kind of form and fashion, and then we, we follow the the tale of the mask that episode, ending in the moral of the story. Well, if you want to really satisfy the comic book fans like Jeff has been so concerned about, you just call it Tales of Big Head, because he wasn't the mask in the comics. Right. He was called Big Head Killer or just Big Head, right. you know? But then so. I think, but then you lose your, lose your movie, audience, you yeah. Know. Now, I, I like Tales of the Mask is Tales fine. Of the mask? I think that fits. Yeah. How about The Mask of Doom? No? We can't go back <laughs> to that? Come I, I would say that would be one episode's title. Yes. Frank Herbert's Mask of Dune. Huh? Oh, Anybody? no. Oh. <laughs> well, I would seriously watch this show, though. Like, I would get excited about tuning in every week. Oh, who do they have in this episode? You know, what are they putting this person through? Because I think they there probably could be a lot of meta stuff in here also for some of the more well-known actors that come through, where they might even have a hand in the writing or the producing of that episode where they say, I've always wanted to do this, that they can influence. Unfortunately, I feel like you're going to get a Channing Tatum once it gets popular. He's like, I want to be in an episode. Just like he's like a voice actor now. I'm like, why is Channing Tatum a voice actor? I don't get it. Anyway, enough of my Channing Tatum bashing. He's a good looking young man. Good for him. Oh, that Channing Tatum. So handsome. (laughs) It's my wife out of nowhere. Oh, that (laughs) It's like saying Beetlejuice and she appears. (laughs) We'll not risk that again. (laughs) Anybody else have any comments? Anything else you wanted to throw into the mix? Now, one thought I did have just to tie it into the old series, maybe have our cop or whoever it is begin like the first episode with a tie in a story from his youth. Maybe he was there the night the mask when Jim Carrey had his dance off the the gunfight. And at that point, you could have a flashback scene from the mask movie to tie it in. And then we follow the cop and there's little snippets of his life. And he fills us in on why he is the one investigating all the mask stories. Yeah, so that could be like a thread that goes throughout. Every once in a while we get a little bit. And then ultimately, like season finale, we get an episode all about him. That's the flashback or something. (laughs) And he gets confronted with the mask finally. So like every season, there's one episode of his story. I think that could be very cool. Like the snippets. Of course, eventually he would get the mask himself. Mm -hmm. But no, I think that's really cool, actually. I, I I like just having that little bit of mystery throughout their building on so that's cool maybe like 30 to 45 minutes each you know make them more expensive just do like 12 episodes and you know that's the whole thing that's the whole series yeah because it's funny that we started with a movie but it's like no this would really work as an anthology story that would actually be a lot more fun to see play out but all those anthology series eventually became films you know you had tales mm-hmm. from the dark side of the movie and that's true all that stuff so you know it's only a matter of time and any even with this kind of story, you could even have it to where he's been investigating the mask for all his life, for all of his adult life. And so one of the episodes is kind of a bottle episode where it takes place in the past in like the Knights era or middle medieval times or even further back. And so we're still following his storyline, but we don't have to f- stay modern day. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just kind of play around with even time in filling in. Oh, there was a mask story back in the fifties. Yes. Let's <laughs> open up our potential with that. I love that. Yeah. That's you cool. could even take it a step further and, and feature other dark horse comic characters. Uh, cross Exactly. Universe. That would be you mean the fun. predator? Alien? The predator. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> predator versus mask. <laughs> 
That's great. That, that's MVP. That. You know, we had AVP, then we'll get MVP. MVP. It is great. Save that. Well, I guess that franchise is already being rebooted by Shane Black, so we don't have to worry about the Predator's future. That's yeah, pretty great. Uh, we'll look for it on Netflix 2018. <laughs> Tales of the Mask. We got it. So, Colin, thanks again for being with us. Happy got to be here. here. It was really fun. It feels like a game. You know, you're kind of just piecing something together in your mind. In the meantime, Jeremy, tell them where they can find us. Oh, you can find us all over the social medias. Just search Sequel Quest, one word. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud. You can find us pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. On Twitter, SQPod. Email us. Send us your suggestions. Hit us up on Facebook. Drop us a DM. Just get a hold of us. Yeah. Come guest host. Like, hit us up with your movie and a little snippet of your pitch. Filter through them and let you know. I want to pull back the curtain here. We haven't heard from anybody. <laughs> that's, that's not 100% true, but it's trickled in. And we look at the numbers on the website and people are listening. We know you're out there, but we'd love to. We really want to know what's on your mind, why you keep listening, who is spreading the word out there. So honestly, we do want to interact and hear from you. You do matter. So yeah, just reach out for reals and tell your friends for reals, guys. Come on. For reals. <laughs> In the meantime, sorry, son, the podcast was rabid. Had to put her down. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to join us next week for another discussion about a film that never was. Share your ideas with the Sequel Quest universe by visiting SequelQuestPod.com, following us on Twitter at SQPod, on Facebook by searching Sequel Quest, or sending an email to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com. Let the world know how much you enjoy the show by leaving a review and five-star rating on iTunes. ITunes. All films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. 